I'm Stuart Preston, and this is the Stone Ape Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the power of psychedelics. Please note, if you're considering working with psychedelics, stay legal and stay safe. Do your research, understand contraindications, test all substances. Psychedelics are not for everybody. I now have a book out titled The Grief Trip, How I Learned to Heal with Grief and Psychedelics. You can find it at thegrieftrip.com. 100% of proceeds go to the Ian Preston Memorial Fund to help support mental health and suicide prevention. Okay, back to the podcast. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with my friend Ben. We talked about his three-month excursion in Mexico with a Shipibo tradition plant medicine journey, including ayahuasca and the plant diet. He discussed intention, integration, and the consciousness of plants and more. So please enjoy this conversation with Ben. All right, Ben. Well, first of all, thank you for joining me again on the Stone Dave Reports. It's a real honor to have you back, and I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you, Stuart. It's nice to be back here. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. So, yeah, we talked a little over a year ago. I mean, I guess not counting our, our recent conversation at the coffee shop. But mm-hmm. back then, a year ago, you shared, you know, your journey in life, you know, the things that you dealt with in the, the younger years, depression and some uh, substance abuse and how the psychedelics and plant medicines really helped you. And that was very insightful. Um, anybody's curious, I think that was episode 16. And I recommend go back and I'll put a link to it in the text to go back and listen to it. But now, you know, I've learned that you just recently got back from a three month excursion in, in Mexico at a Shipibo tradition center doing a lot of, you know, ayahuasca, I guess four, four ayahuasca ceremonies per week which is which is a lot um like i told you we were talking i think that makes me want to purge just thinking about it but that's a lot i don't you know two or three nights for me in a row and i feel totally wiped out and drained so i want to hear more about about that Mm -hmm. um so but i want to start off with kind of in our first episode it was we talked really about the the transformation and how the medicines helped you in life and i guess what i want to know now is why why did you go down and do this three month um, voyage journey, you know, with all these ceremonies and all the other plant medicine and all the deep work that you do. Why, why did you do this? Sure. Well, you know, I think there's a couple of reasons, you know, for one is, and this is a lot of what we talked about in that first conversation we had. Um, I have found like such really deep and meaningful healing for myself in these opportunities where I'm, I'm able to kind of just step out of the regular rat race of life and allow myself some space and quiet and solitude and just how necessary that is for me, just for my general well-being and my health, mm. you know, and just mental, yeah. emotional, all of it. And it's having done this for years now, I, I, I kind of sense a, a general rhythm of my own kind of the arc of my my journey where I need to do this from time to time, you know, I need to step yeah. out for an extended stretch. And thankfully I've, I've created a life for myself when I can do that. You know, I don't yeah. have, you know, some of the restrictions and, and other things in life that would make that really challenging and really difficult. And yeah, for me, you know, I've, I've kind of orchestrated my life in a way that allows myself to take this time out. So that's, that's one reason. Um, but I mean, I could go do that anywhere. I could go sit in a cabin in the woods and not drink plant medicine, like Mm -hmm. you said, four nights a week. So the other part of it is, you know, this, the work that I've done with these plants and with this medicine 
it's put me on a very particular path that I, I really, um, it, it's has a lot of meaning for me. You know, mm-hmm. this is an important and essential part of my life to continue my own study and my own experience with plant medicine. And part of, you know, one of the reasons why I've just felt so aligned and feel such a resonance with the Shipibo tradition is uh, this is a big part of the tradition that has lasted for thousands and thousands of years. And that's this, this experience of isolation, of solitude, done so in a way where I'm opening myself up to connecting with plant consciousness, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. not just ayahuasca, you know, this in this particular tradition. And there's so many ayahuasca traditions of, you know, really these ancient technologies that have lasted for generations and that we have availability and access to now. Um, there's so many that so many different approaches to this practice. And part of the reason why I, I have just resonated so much with the Shipibo tradition is this idea of plant diets and this practice of plant diets, I should say. And part of that is, you know, we take this time, we step away from kind of the, the momentum of our life and we step into solitude in a way to kind of quiet the noise, you know, to, to so much of the diet experience is a lot of, um, restrictions, you know, restrictions Mm -hmm. on food, on technology, on all sorts of stimuli that just surround us every day in, in this plant diet experience, part of the practice is for me to take a step back from all of that, give myself a little bit of space from a lot of these inputs and these stimuli and whatever they are, whether it's food, sex, social media, you know, uh, a lot of socializing work, all of these things. And in doing so, it creates some capacity. It creates the space for myself to open up, you know, not only open up to this medicine, not only open up to this tradition and, and this plant consciousness, but open up to myself. Yeah. And so many of these, uh, stimuli that I have in my life serve as distractions. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult for me to identify and recognize like, oh man, I'm, I'm kind of getting hooked in some of these patterns and some of these behaviors and addictions, whatever, whatever word we want to use. So when I can create this, uh, this space for me to go and have some space from all of those, it, it frees up this capacity that I have to kind of go more further in because mm-hmm. these so many of these distractions I have in my life are distracting me from myself, you know, from these parts of me that are asking for my attention, you know, these, um, food, for example, I'll just use that because that's a pretty basic one for me. It's, you know, I'm an emotional eater and have been my whole life. And when I kind of get into these patterns and these habits of relying on food to soothe, Mm -hmm. um, some many times it's necessary. It's just, I got to function, you know, I got to get up, I got to go to work. And and sometimes things get hard, life gets tough, you know, and things come up. Right. And I have, you know, some very well-developed tools that I can reach for to help me in those times when life gets hard. One of them is food, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when I can provide myself the opportunity to go into a place to get some space where I don't have to rely on food to be that which soothes me and that which helps me. I get an opportunity to see what it is that 
is uncomfortable that I'm using food to quiet and to distract myself from. Yeah. And that's just, that's just an example. So, you know, this, this, uh, this practice of plant diets is to really open up to some of those things that are sometimes hard to hear, you know, and, and to do so in a way where it's like, okay, I've created this space so I can look at some of these things. You know, I'm really struggling in this area of my life where I'm, I'm unsure, I'm unclear about this particular relationship or this pattern or this cycle of behavior that I continually find myself in. So, and I know in my regular day-to-day life, I got a lot of things going on and a lot of responsibility and a lot of obligations. And I also have a lot of different ways that I can kind of navigate and self-soothe. So I'm going to just take a step back from all that and actually listen to what this confusion is trying to say, what this hurt, the sadness, this anger, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, and mm-hmm. do so in a way that you know, in, in the center that I went to in Mexico and um, the center that I've been down to in Peru many times, you know, this is part of where the tradition of this particular practice, like the Shipibo tradition, it offers like a framework, a tried and true, well-tested, well-practiced over literally thousands of years approach hmm. to investigating these things, to going into inner exploration. And what I find to be the most beneficial part about it is that I'm not doing it alone. You know, there really is these, these plants have an intelligence, they have a consciousness and it becomes this collaborative effort where, you know, when I show up in my way and here's what I want to work on here, my intentions, you know, here's the thing that I want to spend this time down here to kind of open myself up to. And I open myself up in a way that allows this intelligence to introduce itself to me and collaborate with me and in doing so like it's almost i like to tell people this like ayahuasca nine times out of ten simply holding up a mirror you know all Mm. the visions all of the fantastical experiences all of the deep dark dark nights of the soul all of it you know it's it's yeah it's just me and it's just me you know, I can go to the farthest galaxy, talk to aliens or deepest pits of hell, whatever. It's me. And well, so what is that one time out of 10 then? Well, I think that one time out of 10 is, is the part where there is no me. There's no me. There's no you. It's just, it just is, you know, yeah, like you they talk about like, it. yeah, it's, it's, the you know, that famous ego dissolution that I was searching for for so long and so many people want to go and have that peak experience where they just have total ego dissolution. Mm -hmm. I think that's in my, for me, when I think of it, I think that's that one time out of 10. And those are, those are amazing. Those are beautiful. And, and they have such, they offer such, but those other nine times, that's when for me, like, that's when I, that's the real work, you know, that's the meaningful work. Yeah. Because it's, you know, this mirror that's being held up is able to show, show me parts of me that I don't normally see. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it really is, it's, it's this felt experience of there's, there is an exchange happening here. There's a collaboration. There is a, there's teamwork with the intelligence of this plant that I'm dieting. There's this intelligence of ayahuasca that is offering me this opportunity, you know? And yeah. It's not all, you know, it's not some magic bullet or, or amazing cure to all of those things that haunt me and, you know, that I right. shuffle through my life with, 
but it's just here's a perspective. Here's a look. Yeah. It holds up that see? mirror. That mirror so you can see what it is you need to work on. Right. Right. And through the course of this diet, um, following this tradition, it it's kind of like one layer at a time, one layer at a time. And it's, you know, I use the analogy a lot. Like it's, it's the diet grows like a plant grows, you know, most of it happens underground kind of subconscious and the beginning stages of it for me very often, not always, but often are really uncomfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm just eating like a bowl of oatmeal and some rice and a little teeny fish couple plantains, like that's all I'm eating. There's no, you know, not on my cell phone, not the busyness, the, the intensity of life isn't there. And that's what really shows me how accustomed I am to intensity, how used to intensity I am. So when that's removed, Oh, it's just like, I gotta do something. What am I doing? There's gotta be something I can do right now. Like I gotta meditate harder. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna meditate. I'm gonna meditate for the day. And then I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go talk to my, you know, it's like that busyness, that restlessness, yeah. that life is that, that is so filled in life. It's for me, it's like the initial stages of just uh, recalibrating myself to these rhythms, these more natural rhythms. How long you did know? it take you to, to squeeze that stuff out of you? When you, when you go down there for a three month deal, how long does it take? And I'm asking because I recently did a very short hermitage mm-hmm. out in the hills of New Mexico. And I felt myself get reset, you know, but how long yeah. do you think it took you to kind of get reset away from this digital lifestyle into that mm. uh, internal lifestyle? Well, this time I'd say, I don't know, the e- easier and easy answer is that it's different every time. But th- this time I would say, you know, it took me a couple weeks. It took you know, mm-hmm. two, two, three solid weeks of part of it was, you know, the intention that I had gone down with, I felt very passionate about like, wow, this is a big thing. You know, this, mm-hmm. there was a couple, as I was preparing for the, the, for this diet, you know, doing some of my own preparation work and gathering myself and getting myself ready. I really felt like I struck something like, mm-hmm. wow, there's, there's, this is, this is the element of a really deep pattern and it has a lot to do around my relationship with anger or lack of relationship with anger, you know, and wow, I'm really yeah, seeing how for so much. Of, yeah. Yeah. It really came, it really bubbled up to the surface, your intention. Right. And so I felt like, wow, the, this to- soil is tilled and I'm ready. And so when I got down there, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm ready. Let's do this. You know? And, and, mm-hmm. Plants don't work at our speed. Nature is not interest doesn't have a watch, you know? Right. So there, there was in that kind of from, for myself circled back around to this addiction to intensity, which is all right, I'm ready to do the hard work. Let's go, let's go. You know, mm-hmm. when in fact it was, it, it was the opportunity just to appreciate some rest and relaxation, you know, mm. allow myself to dial down first and then calibrate. And so it took a, it took a little while, you know, because I've done this, I've, I've done this a couple of times now. I kind of, I know the general arc of my process in this. So I was like, all right, I know how this works. Let's go. And it wasn't quite that way. Yeah. And of course, you know, that, that was kind of the point. I think that was a bit of the, the message and the, the healing that I needed was to experience that. 
And you mentioned peeling the layers off. And one thing that, you know, in our last off the record conversation, you mentioned intentions and, you know, and I had been getting to a point in my journey that I felt like intentions were just a great big joke. Psychedelics were playing on me, Mm -hmm. but, but in this, in this very intense program that you went through, I don't know if programs right word, but you know what I'm talking about. You, You went down there with an intention and it became kind of your, your central grounding focus throughout that allowed those layers to peel later at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I kind of approach intentions as a compass, you know, mm-hmm. not an instruction manual or not a list of expectations for me. An yeah. intention is it's, it helps me. That is what helps me calibrate to the experience. You know, if I, give you an example. If my intention is I just want to go down and um, I want to embody my highest self. I want to, you know, I want to become like the most full expression of myself that I can be. For me, that's kind of broad, you know, that's Mm -hmm. very broad. And I've found, and and I have full faith and trust in the medicine that when we step forward with our intentions, medicine hears us and it's like, okay, here we go. Now, if my intention is really broad, if it's very like amorphous like that, I just, I want to heal my inner child. You know, I want to mm-hmm. forgive those who hurt me. It's like, all right, you know, we can do that. But my, what I found more successful for myself is to, is to find a way where, like I was saying a moment ago, like, this is a, this is a pattern that I'm very aware of now. You know, I have this. Mm-hmm this pattern and uh, a inability or just a complete lack of knowing about how to see anger as anything other than destructive. Like that, that was Mm. my, my story. Like I can't, I'm afraid to express anger because I'm going to turn into the Hulk and destroy the house. You know, I'm going to start flipping tables and screaming. And, and so just shove it and just quiet. Don't, don't let that monster out. Keep that monster in the basement. Instead, you know, be very accommodating, you know, see the other person's side, see where my, you know, it's, what can I do differently? I should probably quiet down. I probably shouldn't say that. Like that's been the pattern. And so there, there was, you know, an experience I had that really brought that to light. And so it brought this question. It was more of a question than an intention. Like, wow, what is, what's this about? You know, I can intellectualize and understand how anger is healthy. And there's actually a very, like, there's so much vitality and strength and anger that is expressed in a healthy way. And, you know, what I'm thinking is toxic is a little more on the toxic side. And so it's all intellectualized. I can write a good essay on it, but I don't feel it. I can't embody that. And I can't, you know, I, I wasn't able to see how to translate that into a lasting and sustainable change in me. So that was my intention. It was more just like, I'm curious about this. I kind of see these pieces on the board. And so that's how for, in, for, for my practice, like an intention becomes a compass because that allows whatever to be presented to me. I now have this lens to look at it through and mm-hmm. metabolize it and ask more questions. Like for the first, I'd say month plus, you know, I got, once I got settled and things started going, like everything I was experiencing to me at the time had nothing to do with anger. It's like, this doesn't, I don't really see how this is getting, I was like, what are yeah. we doing here? But you know, 
this is my, all right. So something in here is leading me in this direction. If I can trust that this experience and that I'm showing up in a good way, I'm showing up in a way that's respectful and with integrity towards this brilliant and vital tradition that I am blessed to even have an opportunity to experience. If I'm like doing my part to keep my diet straight and clean, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 if I'm showing up halfway, then I can trust that the medicine is showing up the other halfway. So even if I don't really get how this, what I'm experiencing now, I mean, the first, uh, first major experiences I had on this past diet was a lot of like early childhood memories of, uh, feeling lonely, you know, Mm. and, and not really knowing how to, you know, where, where to go and experience appreciation and love and acknowledgement. And Mm. it was, it was sad. It was more sadness than anything, you know? And at the time, you know, I'm just thinking, all right, I know this idea that sadness and anger are, I I heard it once explained sadness and anger are siblings Mm. and one looks out for the other, you know, and Mm. for some people, the feeling of sadness is really easy to tap into. Like sadness can just, right. That's, that's, that's an emotion that has easy access and yeah. anger. I mean, that's been my experience and other people are just the opposite. For some people like, man, they can get to that place of, you know, the, the hair stands up or they stand up for themselves and that anger is really present, but to lean into sadness is a real challenge, you know, mm. so it kind of can go either way. So yeah. I was just seeing so much experience for myself of sadness and not really, if I were to sit and journal as I did so many times, like, all right, I want to work on anger, but boy, am I just seeing a lot of like really sad things in my life. And I, and just trust, like we're moving in this direction. My compass is guiding me in this direction. And this is, so what, where can I find the links? Where is there, where can I continue to ask this question about how does this, what does this have to do? You know, what is this showing me about my relationship to anger? And, and that, that's how I work with that intention, you know? So it's less about, I want to work on X, Y, Z. I want to do this, 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 check those boxes, mission accomplished, like a good little Western student in school Mm -hmm. to get an A, you know, whereas instead it's like the intention is what opens the door. Yeah. And and you went in with a question, you open the door with a question and then left yourself open to to learning what you needed to learn. And then you took those lessons and kind of, meditated on them to say, okay, what did this mean? How, how does this help me answer my question? Is that, is right. that kind of the process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much of like the biggest parts of my experience happened just in the middle of the day, you know, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday sitting in my hammock, you know, it wasn't mm. always in the ceremony with, with plant medicine and, and this incredibly powerful consciousness. It was in the reflection. It was in the yeah. digestion of those experiences where a lot of the really deep material would come up and, and a lot of it was, you know, to kind of get uh, follow along with this idea of intention, it's, you know, understanding that it's just like one of my all time favorite Joseph Campbell quotes. And I got a lot of them, but he said, you know, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Hmm. And so it's like when I was feeling, Oh, I don't know if I want to look at that. Oh man. I remember this memory. Oh, this wasn't a good one. Uh, Ah, that's where we got to go. You know, like what's Mm -hmm. behind there then? 
And this feeling of resistance, this feeling of guilt, shame, blame, all of it turned inwards, like recognize those are the protectors. You know, they were guardians that I asked to stand at that gate. So I don't have to go back into that experience and feel what I felt. So when I feel mm-hmm. shame or like, oh, I don't want to look at that or, oh, I'm not worthy. It's like, okay, I, then I don't, you know, when I go back yeah. into these more comfortable patterns, even if those, those comfort zones aren't serving me well, you know, there is an old story that I told myself that said, if I go back and look at this or allow this feeling to come up, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get rejected or abandoned, you know? Yeah. So don't, so don't, and I'll hurt myself instead first. So here's shame, here's guilt, here's blame. Yeah. If I hurt myself, I'll, I back away and then nobody else. I won't have to get hurt by anybody else. I won't have to be abandoned by anybody else if I do it first. And those resistances, they, they come up during, during ceremonies and during processing afterwards. Oh yeah. Well, they do for me. (laughs) They are there. I mean, especially in that, in the state that, and this is kind of the brilliance of this, of the, the dieta tradition is we're in such a, like, I don't want to say fragile. We're in such an exposed and such a vulnerable place energetically, Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally, because we're in in a pretty extreme environment, you know, not eating much. We're in, you know, I'm having to clear out scorpions and spiders from my room and I can't, you know, I don't really have access to some of the creature comforts. So like it, it kind of just wears down a lot of the defenses by design, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's not torturous. It's not like we're being punished. I'm not being like, it's, 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 it's uncomfortable, but that's the idea. That's part of the idea. Because yeah. that all of these defenses, all of these different ways that I use to protect myself, I don't have access to. So it's yeah. so surrender. It's the only thing left to do is just surrender, surrender to it. Mm-hmm. Normally, normally I ask somebody, and I asked you last time, normally I ask people to share if they want to, um, maybe some details of an experience. But it sounds to me like this whole trip down to Mexico was like one big experience. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything, any details, any specific ceremony or journey you wanted to share, or if you wanted to maybe give uh, a summary as to what the whole summer ended up. I don't know if it's the summer, the whole three months mm-hmm. ended up meaning to you. You know, it, and, and I don't know if you've had time to process something that big, but I mean, if you had to look back and say, okay, here's kind of what happened to me. Here's what I went through. Here's what I learned. Here are the lessons. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have a, a grasp on that yet? Um, yeah. I mean, I have a grasp on what I'm grasping at the moment. You know, yeah, it's always yeah. these things just continue to unfold. Like life continues to unfold, and things mm-hmm. don't. Things become more clear as more time and more lived experiences are gathered. But one thing that was really, really clear when I completed my experience there and was coming home was the, you know, I, I kind of got to look at a pretty significant childhood trauma that I experienced at a, mm. you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, and, yeah. and it was one of those things where I was, I, it wasn't like some repressed memory that was just hidden from me forever and ever. And it came up, oh, suddenly, oh no, it wasn't like that. It was something I, I was very aware of, but I had for my entire life assumed and accepted it as I deserved it. You know, Mm. I deserved to be punished for that thing, you know? And 
as an eight year old or 10 year old or however old I was, you know, the, my capacity for understanding like right and wrong and punishment a little Uh different than a 40 year old, you know? But when I would look back on that experience, I looked at it through the eyes of an eight year old and was just Mm. like, yeah, I I deserved it. I was bad, you know, and I deserved Mm -hmm. to be punished and the experience and, and it, 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 it was one particular memory that came up probably about halfway through, but that particular memory fueled nearly the entire experience. Just this one hmm. moment in my life, you know, maybe all of three and a half minutes and just how much that experience set the tone and the pattern for so much of my life lived with unworthiness, with mm-hmm. shame, with uh, this feeling that I am undeserving and unlovable. Yeah. And so there was a lot to unpack, you know, Yes. and there continues to be unpacked. But when I left, it was this, this acknowledgement for myself that, you know, it is healthy. It is normal. It is natural to want love, mm-hmm. you know, to, to reach for connection. That's not yeah. a bad thing. You know, in fact, it's, it's a life affirming thing yeah it's you a want to con- it's a beautiful thing you know and the fact that that eight or ten year old was mm-hmm. what what that what that little boy was trying to do in order just to experience love and mm. receive love and, and share love that wasn't something to be ashamed of that wasn't something bad or wrong yeah you know and seeing how that you know, cause in that, exp- in that experience, I was punished for expressing love mm. to the extent that I knew it as an eight year old, again, like, and it, I mean, I loved Ninja Turtles when I was eight too, you know, it's not right. like I had a real well-rounded understanding of what that emotion was, but I knew what, what yeah. it was that I was trying to do, you know, and yeah. I, I was punished for it. I was scolded and told that I was wrong and bad for that. And, and to, you know, 30 something years later in the middle of the jungle, you know, with all of this amazing, you know, plant medicines and consciousness around me and just the extent of my own journey to get there, it was pretty profound, you know? Yeah. So you go in with that, that intention and one of the mirrors that was held up was, Hey, you need to reexamine this, this traumatic Mm -hmm. memory and understand Mm -hmm. it for its true essence and not what, not what you've been labeling it as your whole life. Right. Right. Wow. And then, and then the rest of your, your journeys grew, the layers got peeled off of from that, from that intention and from that first insight. Correct. You know, it's like the, it was a pretty miraculous experience because there I was, um, it, because again, this, it happened during the day when this memory came back to me, you know, I was yeah, just sitting so not in even my hammock. The ceremony, just, you just sit in your hammock and. Yep. Just like, you know, I'm just connecting with this plant and doing the things that I have kind of learned for myself to do to facilitate the diet. And then boom, here it comes like this fully experienced memory, you know? Yeah. And I I recalled the event that happened and in my body, in that moment, in that hammock, I was terrified. Like I was frozen Mm. with fear, just like I was 30 some years ago, you know, like, Exactly. Like the somatic experience of that trauma 
literal trauma, you know, no mm-hmm. exaggeration. Anytime, you know, an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old is, is scolded at by a caregiver, it's traumatic. You know, mm-hmm. we don't need to try to like sort that out too hard. Yeah. That was, you know, the still, the, the bodily felt experience of that was still mm-hmm. in my body mm-hmm. as a 40-year-old, you know? So here I am, you know, all my white hairs and my beard and wrinkles in my eyes acting like an eight-year-old, like frozen in fear. You know, just by simply recalling this memory in association with what I've just been, what I've been working on down there. And Mm -hmm. so the, like the first step in that, in that process for me was to like, I had to kind of work from there, you know, allow this eight-year-old has been, this body has been holding on to that energy, that emotion for 30 something years, you know? And mm-hmm. intellectually, I could in that moment talk my way through it. And oh, yes, you know, I didn't deserve it. And then it was okay. But that's not going to do anything. You know, it serves a purpose, but it's not going to do much to help that body release this stored trauma. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that's a layer, you know, just allowing the body to release and, and just allowing that energy just to finally be dissipated. Because yeah. for me, back in that experience, like it, it just felt like total danger. I, it was like, I might as well have been faced down by a lion in that moment, Yeah, you know? And so fight, flight or freeze. And I chose froze and that stuck, stayed in the body. Mm. And then every time similar experiences happened over the course of my life that brought up this experience of feeling that wanting for love or reaching for connection is bad. There it is again, frozen, mm-hmm. eight-year-old doesn't matter from 16, 26, 36, 40, that energy is still responding to what is felt as a threat, which is if I reach for love, if I want to share my heart, that's dangerous. Don't do that. Freeze. Yeah. So that takes a long time. took me a long time to unwind that. And it's still unwinding, but that's, that's what I mean by like these layers come off because now like, now that I have access to what has been buried for 30 something years, it's like, whoa, this, it may have been buried, but it was, the program was running full steam this whole time. Yes. You know? Yeah. You just couldn't recognize it. That's right. I, it, cause it was assumed that that's just what, it, that, that was truth. Yeah. That's normal. You know, that, that's normal. I don't yeah. deserve love. I'm wrong for wanting it. So yeah. how would I think to act any other way? Man. Yeah, that's something I, I can tell you as somebody who's been through some pretty intense therapy, it could take me a year or two to get a lesson like what you got mm. you know, down there, down there in Mexico. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, so you, I know you also do uh, integration coaching and I know um, mm-hmm. it, it's really great of you. You also have an integration coach you work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you come back with a lesson like this, and you come back with uh, the new um, interaction with these plant consciousnesses and, and this mm-hmm. to open up all this stuff. What do you start doing? And how has this affected your coaching plans? You know, as you work mm-hmm. with your own clients and you think about integration, how, how has this latest long journey uh, impacted your notion of integration and integration processes and those kind of things? yeah it's definitely a process that's for sure um yeah you know one one 
really big piece that came back with me was, you know, it's kind of like this, the very reasons that I said at the beginning of our conversation, why I go do this, like to kind of step out, you know, step away from the, uh, this track of life and, and the intensity of life and all of these things. Well, when it's all said and done, it's exactly where I go back to, you know, mm-hmm. it's like coming down off the mountain back into the village where all of the, the crises and the struggles and the beauty and the connection and the friends and the coworkers and got to pay taxes and take out the trash and all of these things, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it definitely is a re-entry process. Mm-hmm. And, um, one thing that it really just kind of lined up for me on this most recent experience is, you know, I come home and there were some pretty intense things going on in my life, like upon landing back in Phoenix, you know, I mm-hmm. just spent these, this time in the jungle and, haven't worn shoes in three months and here I am. And there's like, Whoa, you know, there's a lot of, there were a couple really, really intense things, both personally, you know, interpersonally. And it, it was a real shock to my system. It was very like, it was very overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I, I was still in such a very open and vulnerable place just from what I'd done that it, it, it was overwhelming and destabilizing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it felt like, I had to immediately address some of these very real and present things that were going on. And then, and I did, you know, when things settled down and things were worked out and and it's all good. And then it was like, Oh geez, well now I'm home and now I gotta go back to work. You know, now the, the rhythm of life is, it has to kick up again. And I noticed, you know, the very things that I want healing and clarity on are still here, you know, mm-hmm. still, struggle with food a little bit. I still don't know about work, you know, relationship, what's it going to be like? And it's kind of a very natural reaction that I have of like, Oh no, it's all still here. You know, I thought, I know it's not a magic bullet, but I thought maybe this time, you know, this would be the diet where it all works out and it. And, and that's a very normal process, you know, but Mm -hmm. what I just kind of, I saw for myself was like, yeah, it's always, going to be here. There's always going to be something, whether it's Mm -hmm. money or the job or relationships or self-care, there's always going to be something that doesn't feel quite in alignment. There's that feels off that I want to do better that I want to change. Like that is always going to be there. I'm Mm. what's different. Like I'm what is different in this equation Mm. after this experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and good thing because I'm the only (laughs) thing I have influence over. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to control what happens with the state of the union and the world and the environment. Like there's things that are so far out of my control that it is, it just puts me in back into that, that space of trauma to even try to figure out like, what can I do to change these things or with work or relationships? But me, like I am what is different in this experience of life that we all go through, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that for me is like the first or, or an insight into integration in terms of realizing like there's going to be struggles when you come back. Like it doesn't matter if you go for three months or three hours or three years, like mm-hmm. there's going to, it's going to be hard to come back. And you, I am what's different in this equation. I have something different. I am changed. My perspective has changed. My capacity to show up into these challenging things are different. You know, my skills yeah. and my own 
uh, knowing of myself is what allows me to do hard things. And so for me, and this is what I tell people I work with and I tell myself every time, like the first step of integration is celebration. Like Hmm. celebrate the fact that I just had this really amazing experience. Celebrate the fact that I have a life that allows that I get to do these types of things that I have the support of friends and family that the choices that I've made in the past to cultivate this life for myself allowed me to do this. Celebrate that. Hmm. Celebrate that I have things to integrate. Great. Wonderful. Celebrate. I've got all these new things about me. Like, yeah, I learned a whole lot and now I've got even more questions, you know, right. and good thing. Cause now yeah. there's still stuff to look at and there's still things to do, you know, yeah. celebrate mm-hmm. that. I love it. I love it. Um, anything else on the integration before I jump into the next, the next and final subject? Oh, plenty, but we'll, we can talk that in the third one. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> so I get a lot of inquiries from people that are looking to have a, an authentic, deep ayahuasca experience. And they want to know, you know, they hear the horror stories of things going wrong with certain places in, in South America. And I know there's places in, in like in Mexico where you were in Costa Rica and Peru and Colombia. Um, do you have any advice for somebody out there listening? That's like, Hey, I want to experience an authentic, um, Chipibo tradition, ayahuasca ceremony do you have any recommendations for them to help them find the the right type of a place or or to avoid the wrong kind of a place Mm -hmm. yeah well you know the first thing i would say is get clear on why you want to go in the first place you know do you want to go because Mm -hmm. you want to have the experience you know you want to go and and do the jungle thing and you know be out there and and have the full you know Amazon jungle experience with the medicine and, and all of these adventures, then that's totally fine. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's a yeah. wonderful thing. Every it, that's, that is an experience of itself. That's one, one way to go. Another way to go is because you're looking for healing, you know, is there kind of like what we've been talking about? There are some psychedelics and plant medicine offer an avenue into healing, not mm-hmm. curing, not fixing, but an avenue into healing. Mm. And if that's, if that's a direction you want to go in, okay, be clear with that. Do you want to go because you want to like learn, you want to train, you, you feel called to work with this medicine in a, in a more um, authentic and respectful way, you know, cause there's plenty of ways to sit with ayahuasca these days. Yeah. But do you want to go? And so these are, just get clear on why you want to go in the first place. Right. And, and from there, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's basically like ayahuasca Yelp reviews now, like, um, Aya advisors as a website that offer or has, you know, reviews from Pasajeros who've gone down to different places. That's, that's mm. a good way to kind of get an idea, you know, do some research, look into it. You know, if you've heard about a couple places, you know, do some research for yourself. Because it, the last thing I would recommend anybody do is just go down there and see how it happens. You know, yeah. that's, I wouldn't advise that. But I think the most important or, or the, the best way that I've found for myself and I've seen it be most effective for others is talk to people you trust. 
who have gone and done this themselves. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, and if you don't know them, ask them, you know, if there's, there's a lot of, you know, very well-spoken and well-practiced and well-experienced Western practitioners all over the world now. And they all, for the most part, have done uh, some or a fair amount of their training down in the Amazon where the tradition is still held. So like, who do you resonate with? Who, when you are opening yourself to the idea of going down to Peru and like, who's inspiring you to do this? Is it people, you know, perhaps it's a book you read or a podcast you heard with someone who really kind of um, spoke in a way that resonated with you and then ask questions, you know, inquire, but do that, do it in such a way that it's like, you're, you're, you're getting this real human one-on-one personal connection to it, you mm-hmm. know, go yeah. to the people you trust, like, because the, the people who come back and carry the medicine with them are the best example of the medicine of that place, mm-hmm. you know? And so I shouldn't say it that way. Let me say it a different way. Look to the people who work with this medicine that you resonate with, that you're like, yeah, I like the way the person does it. I like the way they carry themselves. I like how, you know, they have respect for what they're doing or perhaps a way that they're able to incorporate it into their lives. Not, you know, if they got a really flashy website or they talk a good game, but how do they live their life? You know, like look to the, look, look at the, look to those people who resonate with you in a good way. And then ask like, where did you go? Where did you go? Yeah. You had a good experience. How did you go about this? Right. I kind of like how you carry yourself, you know, beyond the, the, the talky talk, you know, the way that you show up in your community, the way that you show up to your friends and your family, the way that you show up to people like me who are coming to you asking a question, are you presenting yourself as this all great and powerful look at me? Or is there some humility and reality to what you're sharing? That's, I want to go in this direction, you know? Yeah. There you go. That's it right there. I think. Yeah. Perfect. So is there anything else you want to put out there? Anything else you want people to know about or any resources you want to share? Any other thoughts? Sure. Um, I, if people want to visit my website, it is originalmythology.com. From there, you can reach out if you're inquiring, if you'd like to discuss more or um, see what services I offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be a part of a, a project that I'm very passionate about that's organized down here in Phoenix. And that's the church of the Eagle and the condor. Mm-hmm. And, um, we could spend a whole other hour talking about that, but to keep it yes. brief, you know, it is, uh, it's an effort being put on by a number of very, very special people and, and with a lot of integrity and care for the direction that not only this medicine, but these ancestral traditions putting a path forward to help bring these to the generations to come. So if people want to learn more about the church of the Eagle and the condor can search that church of the Eagle and the condor, uh, com. And I, I'm really passionate and, and fully support and I'm, am honored to be in the extent that I am a part of this project. So, I'm just yeah, it's an amazing project. I, I did get to interview those guys, not for this podcast, but uh, I think for Shakruna.net. And uh, yeah. they're just amazing human beings. So you the you guys doing that, it's it's a great, it's a great church. Yeah. And it's church of eagle and condor.org. Okay. 
All right, I'll put that in the notes, everybody. Great. So you can just click click right from there. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming back and sharing this amazing story. It's uh, it's always nice to talk to you, but this was truly yeah. an amazing experience that we're all going to learn from. So thank you so much for coming here and sharing it. Thank you so much, Stuart. This is great, and I look forward to the next coffee and then doing this again. Yeah, me too. Me too, brother. Okay, my friend. That concludes this edition of the Stone Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.